audio check. I'm tired of these people saying they got dreams, they got goals, they got aspirations, but they're not trying to do nothing with their life. Look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, are you a person that talks about it or Well, we are here at Nova Southeastern University. I'm here with Dr. Scott Cholson, and uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. Uh, this is a great. Thank you for having me at your, uh, basically, your playing field. Um, it's a beautiful campus, obviously, here down in South Florida. And uh, let's start the show off by telling uh, the listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, well, I'm the Director of Student Transitions and also Assistant Professor here at NSU College of Pharmacy. I started off in this school here at Nova. I d- got my PharmD degree. Uh, after graduating, I went into oncology, consulting, and public speaking. And that landed me a job back here and allowing me to give back what I uh, wanted to have as a, a young student and uh, what I felt that would advance the profession. Yeah. So we connected um, basically, you know, talking about the Future Summit. So can you tell us a little bit about what that event's going to be like here on campus and, and uh, what people can expect to get out of that? Sure. Uh, the 2018 Future Summit is what you would see as a normal career showcase on um, what people say on steroids. It's yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a, an opportunity for students to really see the extent to where pharmacists can work, but also network and, and what jobs can be created. We're bringing in over 50 companies. So far, we have 60 signed up. We have over 300 students. The idea, again, is marketing, business. How can in, in, individuals connect, network, resource? How can businesses connect, network, and resource? I want to make this, uh, it's, well, this event is going to be beneficial to all parties involved. Uh, so far, we have about 13 different sponsors. Uh, it's just an amazing opportunity. We're going to have it at the Don Taft Rick Case Arena. So it's the biggest space the university has to offer, and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah. So who who should be attending this conference? Like, who's the you know who's going to get the most out of out of attending? Well, I would think the businesses involved have obviously a, a priority because businesses want to know the ideal candidates coming out of the school, uh, coming out of the profession, or coming into the profession in general. Uh, but students, I mean, individuals looking to see what pharmacy really looks like. Many times we only hear about the surface of the profession, as you know the retail residency and what does that mean uh, many people kind of just see the corner store and think that that's the pharmacy and and that's a general perspective we talk about that from a branding perspective uh, it's the normal point of contact what my goal was is to showcase the various areas I mean there's over 50 jobs that pharmacists could hold in the professional pharmacy so my job was to really try to get and engage the students so that they can see what the possibilities are. I believe you're a, a, a product of your atmosphere and I'm trying to create a, a better atmosphere for our pharmacy students. That's awesome to hear. And and I think it falls kind of in line with what I'm trying to do with RX Radio where I'm just trying to show people, you know, what the other avenues are, you know, out there for, for their careers. So um, this is just going to happen kind of like all in one place, which is, which is pretty awesome. So... Yeah, and I, I want to add to that. I mean, you and I spoke a lot about policymaking. I work up in legislation every year and, and try to push bills forward. We're always fighting for our profession. And what we're seeing here is, especially because of some of the public health issues, that we're able to resource so many different areas, not just pharmacy, to work together to build a bigger brand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've spoke about the idea that many people are not exposed to what we do. So, yeah, this is a all-in-one type of event. And it's uh, really a, it's been a benefit so far to meet people like yourself and see what you're doing. And it's really connected us and engaging other pharmacists to hopefully follow suit. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you you know, perfect segue to my next question. You know, you seem to be very very involved in policy and uh, legislation. So uh, tell us more about that. How's that been going? What are you, what are you currently working on? So we just got back from D.C. Um, prior to that, we were in Tallahassee. So many different bills, different uh, state laws, and and then national laws. Uh, just going back for state law here in Florida, we've been working on uh, bills for collaborative practice act agreements so that we can have these protocols with physicians. They can actually tell us how they want us to extend extend treatment, um, not initiating, not prescribing, but really following their protocol. We see it in the hospital all the time. So what we we're trying to do is ensure that these things would be uh, indicated um, or impl- imp- applied to the retail side and consulting side so that the pharmacists would have more information about their patients. Um, and I think that's a public health uh, mm-hmm. idea. But what we're pushing on a national level, and we just came back again from D.C., is labeling of opioids for acute opioids. Mm-hmm. Many times people get very anxious about the idea that they're taking away the medications, the opioids, especially being such a big deal. And you have chronic care patients that are you know, very worried that they're not going to be getting their medications because there's the bad apples out there. So what we're really trying to do is educate the market. We as pharmacists are at the forefront. How many points of contact every year yeah. do we have a normal patient? So we have an opportunity. And I think that, I guess, going against the grain is what we would call it in, re- in regards to what we're, our responsibilities are on paper. But as healthcare professionals, our responsibilities are so much more. We have to deliver health care, not sick care. We've been delivering sick care. So these initiatives, especially when you're talking to congressmen, congressmen and women, are really public health issues, and and these concerns are very valued to them. So it's been a it's, it's been a uh, an amazing opportunity to see what the capital's like, but it's been an even more uh, amazing opportunity to see how many people we could get engaged from different professions. So yeah, it's been it's been great. Yeah. So uh, going back to the collaborative practice thing that you guys are working on, w- I'd like to see what's the current state of it now because I do know that you know some pharmacies do have protocols already in place. And I know a lot of pharmacists that are interested in doing MTM are super interested in how these collaborative practices would work. What is the current, like, you know, state of the union in terms of how it works now versus what you guys are trying to introduce with the bill? So the current state is very restricted to mostly hospitals. Um, it somewhat it could be in a consulting, like a long-term nursing facility. The idea was to expand it to more of the point of contact that we were speaking about where, you know, you're having that Walgreens, CVS, independent pharmacy on the corner, very close. I mean, you and I talk about branding a lot, you know, branding the profession. Big thing now in any business is access to care, right? And and the fact is pharmacists don't have access to your labs. Let's just go on the the smallest point of, of, you know, idea here. Um, We don't even have access to labs. So if somebody's on Warfarin, how do we know that it needs to change? How can we review that and be a, a, a risk reducer for physicians? Because we have to work in a team effort. Why is there only teams in a hospital setting or a, a ACO, which is the Accountable Care Organizations now, which is new, value-based care? We need to demand that we have access to our patients' information so that our patients have better access to health care. Yeah. So yeah, that's, well. that's really where we're going with that, Bill. Cool. All right. Awesome. Well, I do hope, you know, uh, how can people, I guess in addition to supporting this, but supporting most legislator that's, you know, for bettering healthcare, especially via pharmacists, what can people do to be more active and to kind of help with your efforts in in getting these things like, you know, to where it needs to be? Well, there's a few things and I think it's on both sides. So I I, want to talk directly to, to individuals that I know it's hard when you're working 40 hours a week and you 
hear all this stuff that's going on to really get involved. You know, it, it, it makes us so frustrated when we're very restricted, when we know that we could do more and we, we're knowledgeable about certain things. But there are organizations out there that work for you. Now, I think on the other side, the organizations don't do such a great job in terms of marketing what is being done. And that's not to say that not, nothing's being done because there's a ton being done. I think we've just done a poor job at really getting out there and talking about the things that are being done. So we're, we're advancing that and podcasts like yourself, like yours um, and others are really starting to get word of what we're doing. And I think it's important that we continue to relay that message. But I also think, and this is a call to action to everybody out there, get involved. You know, we, we agree we need to do a better job of exposing what we're doing, but you need to do a good job of giving us the opportunity to be a voice for you. Empower us. Empower us. I mean, the idea is we're working hard. Yes, it, it, it costs money for, for legislators and, and to get in their offices and, and, you know, obviously work with them. You know, so it costs money for these things. It costs money for campaigning. Um, but it also costs, you know, the, the idea of time. There's so much time that volunteers put into pushing these legislative pieces forward. Um, so it's very valuable for us to, A, market better, campaign better, but B, please get involved. That's that's the biggest advice I could give to anybody out there is get involved because I can assure you things are getting done. Yeah. So I wanted to see, like, you know, you, you say get involved and uh, how can people get involved? Like what specifically should people be doing you know, to really get involved? Because it's one thing to just say, yeah, I joined, you know, APHA and, and I'm a member, so I'm involved. But like, what can people do to really be involved and to really help with these efforts? Uh, I would say the first one is is by providing your voice. So that means speaking out, writing letters to us, to the individual organizations. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, membership alone, I always said that. I think people got pissed when I first said that, that a membership alone is not going to change or progress, right? We need action. So I think it's also telling us what your issues are. You know, if we can't hear your issues or you're not complaining to the right people, you're just complaining to your colleagues, then that's not going to go anywhere. We, we as healthcare providers have done a bad job as in general of getting our issues or complaints outside the, the walls of our buildings or institutions. So I think one is absolutely we need to hear the complaints. What's going on? Why why are we fighting for you? What can we do to fight for you? And so the other thing is I think showing up to some of the conferences, you know, at the end of the day there's an opportunity to speak. There's an opportunity to hear other individuals. One thing I will say is a lot of people do even show up to conferences and are raw raw at the conferences. I want to challenge everybody for a follow through. Start a program Connect with another school, connect with another facility, connect with others. This is not a competitive market. It's not really hard at the end of the day of what we need to do in order to push our profession forward. It's getting involved, collaborating with other providers. So we need the voices. We need strength in numbers. That's one bit, one of the biggest things that we've been missing. You know, when you have a total of 4,000 out of 27,000 people involved in organizations, that's an issue. So we need to have individuals, especially on the state, national level, we need individuals speaking up and being part of the progress of this profession. And I think taking on public health issues, uh, that's that's one of the biggest things we could do is relay the message, be vocal. I mean, there's Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. You know, there's so many different platforms, Instagram, where people are listening. So getting your voice out there. Don't be scared to get your voice out there. You know, we need voices out there and we need people telling us what's what's really wrong so we could fix it. Yeah. What about who? What about the people that are hearing the message? So, do you think we need to do a better job at maybe reaching across, like, to other professions um, to get their voices heard, or how else is there ways to just because uh, you know at the conferences again we're all there. It might just also be something similar where we're just kind of shooting our complaints at each other. 
But what about getting those to the right people's ear? Like, how do we do that, per se? Well, first of all, you have to look at, like, the Department of Health. You have to look at the FMA. There's a lot of issues that they're taking on that we could also play a part in, right? Opioids was a very obvious issue. But I will say things like that were we took a long time to get on board. You know, we knew there was an issue there. We knew we were having to see retail pharmacists act like police officers. But that information wasn't really making it up to the Department of Health and so on to really take action. We need those complaints. We need that thing. But also showing up to events for others. I went to an FMA summit not too long ago. And the FMA summit, Florida Medical Association, was all about opioids. I was one of two pharmacists. The other one was a speaker. That is a terrible thing to see. We could be supporting more of others. So nursing conferences, you know, and being a voice for them. So it, it's been in the past that, that the healthcare professionals have been siloed, right? We could lead this. We could lead a forefront of individuals going to others' conferences, being engaged in others, and supporting them. A lot of times, you know, we always go to somebody when we want their help rather than helping them when they need it so that when we are looking for help, they're right there, ready to go. The only way to build a team-based care system is to actually act like a team. Yeah. And we need to start supporting others. I mean, a perfect one for this issue was the uh, needle exchange program here in the state of Florida. We had a bill going forward where needle exchange was the, – the bill was being pushed by the FMA. And the Florida Society of Health System Pharmacists got behind it, wrote a letter for it. And I even had the opportunity to testify in front of Senate and also speak at a press conference for this bill. It just shows our support, and it's, it's what – five minutes for me yeah how much does it take and i'm not saying everybody's going to get up on the senate floor but i think that we need to be able to spread others information and engage and show them that our support's there because we have to work together moving forward yeah so what was the visit like going back to you know your trip to dc what was that like you know you woke up you had breakfast what what was your the typical day at dc advocating for the profession what was that like well honestly um we did hear that a lot that pharmacists aren't usually the ones that these legislators see we spoke a lot to legislative aides, as you know. It's very hard to get into some of these offices. Um, some, it's very tricky too. Sometimes you can email three months ahead and try to plan a schedule, and they say, "Don't call me until the day before, a week before," and at that point, their schedule is too full. So it, it does come down to a lot of lobbying, and what I mean by that is going up to offices, knocking on doors, you know, going into the saying, "Hey, can I speak to this person?" Sometimes it's saying, "Hey, all I want to do is introduce myself and shake their hand," and then you drop your little little <laughs> nice. uh, Ninja you know, bullet in there. point, yeah, <laughs> um, and it, and it engages some conversation. But you know, that's a marketing sales type of mentality. I'm not saying everybody has that, but uh, I do think that. There's people out there. We need more people up in D.C., first of all. I mm. will say that because that comment, the first comment I was talking about, that's so important for us to engage with legislators on a normal basis. Mm. I talked about provider status with multiple legislators, and the fact is they didn't even know what it was. They didn't know the extent to it. I think it was very poorly uh, marketed to them, specific these specific individuals, but I was able to get a lot of support for it. Um, I think it's the way that it's being pitched. And you know, If we say, we want provider status because we want to get paid – Big difference, right? Mm -hmm. And saying, hey, we need provider status in order to get the funding available to employ pharmacists to counsel properly to really have that preventative measure that we're talking about, evidence-based prevention, counseling, consulting, really engaging with medication therapy management, right? So I would I, I, I would say that the experience was amazing, uh, very receptive. I mean, we went from uh, Marco Rubio's office to Debbie Wasserman Schultz's office to Bernie Sanders to um, Cory Booker to um, Chuck Schumer. It was an amazing opportunity. Um, one of the coolest experiences was we went to Senator Bill Cassidy's office 
we spoke to his legislative aide and had a great talk, health, health professional. We started walking out of the office, and a gentleman, very tall, I mean, uh, came up to us and said, what are you guys in there for? And we looked at him. And we were, and, you know, when you're visiting a lot of people, you also don't know who's who. Mm -hmm. uh, many times, even though you try to Google them and see their faces, when you're, we had about 15 meetings uh, between lobbyists and so on. So we sat there and, and, and told them, yeah, we went to uh, Senator Cassidy's office to propose this bill about labeling opioids. And right off the bat, he said, well, I'm Bill Cassidy, and walk with me, and I would like to hear more about your bill. So it's things like that that happen, and it was amazing. And now he's actually writing our bill into national legislation, uh, hopefully with the support of uh, a, 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 um, a bipartisan support. So, I mean, this is the type of opportunities that pharmacists can be at the forefront and just showed us another opportunity, more so than the city or state level. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And uh, let's let's take it back to I guess where we're currently sitting here now at uh, Nova. What what's your role like here? What is it that you uh, that you actually do on campus? Well, one of the things is I take on public health issues. We've been doing a lot of major seminars. Uh, we did one for the medical marijuana. We're on the forefront of that. We had the Sun Sentinel here moderating the event. We had uh, Channel Six News, NBC, ABC News. Um, we had major le legislators and, and really big wigs uh, in the audience to discuss the politics around medical marijuana right before the election uh, about two years ago. Mm. Now, this year, we had one on opioids. And the same thing, we had the uh, DEA here, United Way, um, individuals from CDC, Department of Health, Board of Pharmacy, FMA, and really brought everybody to the table. But guess what? We set the table. So these are the, some of the type of initiatives that I run on the event side in public health uh, with career development. My goal is to expose individuals to every resource possible to be a better professional, not just a better pharmacist, but a better professional. So we expose them to different jobs, uh, expose them to different ways of thinking, LinkedIn professionals, um, personal and professional development resources, uh, even books. I mean, we, we shade so far towards science sometimes uh, in our healthcare professionals that sometimes hearing about these motivational books are so important. We really apply all the tools. I built this beautiful career development center that you're sitting in right now. Um, funny thing is, was it used to be a storage closet, but what it tells you is you need a small space in today's world, right? You need a small space to be independent, individual, and, and really individualize that treatment or that consulting that you do with even your students. So we wanted to have a one-on-one, -on -one, just like you and I are having, to go over so many different things from CV building to mock interviews to even having the ability to video conference anywhere in the world. The goal is, again, connection and networking. So we do that. We bring in speakers. But on top of that, I also work in policy like we were speaking about before. And I really try to engage the student body because a lot of times when you're in school, you don't realize how powerful you are, how much value you bring to the table. And young people really need to understand they bring one of the biggest values that every company wants and needs. And the, that is the ability to connect and communicate with young people. That's what companies are looking for today. So it's, it's been a blessing here at NSU and uh, being able to develop these programs. And we're right now developing some tracks in the curriculum. So, you know, I, I think that uh, the opportunities are there. And we, as a very innovative school, are taking advantage of them. Well, I will say, I mean, you did a really good job turning this thing into a, uh, into a uh, studio from a storage closet. It is legit. There's lights and screens everywhere. So... It's uh, it's pretty awesome. You did a really good job. You think you built this table? It looks like so, or you had it built in. That's yeah. We gotta dope, be efficient man. with the space yeah. here. <laughs> That's you know? what's up, man. So and uh, so uh, to wrap up, any parting words? Uh, again, thank you so much, actually, for you know taking the time to be on the show. Really appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to the event coming up. Um, any any uh, parting words? Well, first. 
don't be fearful of the uh, profession moving forward. There's a lot of technology and advancements moving forward. We are going to have jobs. It's about positioning ourselves. So make sure you learn about this system as a whole. I, I say this to everybody, from professionals to students to people thinking about coming into healthcare. Understand the system so that you're not a product of it. Uh, but I would say definitely I'm, I'm inspired. I mean, I'm a millennial pharmacist. Speaking to all millennials out there and everybody that's been in the profession, we are going to have a place in healthcare, and it's a beautiful, beautiful future. Uh, I will say thank you for joining us on uh, for the 2018 Future Summit. It's going to be amazing, an amazing event, and uh, I'm looking forward to the follow-up with you. Hopefully, we can talk about all the success that we've had and maybe get some testimonials from some of the individuals that participate. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, an exciting event. I'm going to be there doing interviews and uh, having a presence, so I'm, I'm really excited about it. Tell, uh, tell everyone how they can reach you if they want to you know, continue the conversation. Sure. I mean, um, you can reach me directly by email. I mean, that's one of the best ways to reach me. And I, I answer emails. I want to connect with individuals. I want to, whether it's being an inspiration or working on some different business models with you, we have the opportunities and resources. So sk793 at nova.edu. Uh, you could reach me at on Instagram, Dr. Scott K, D-R-S-C-O-T-T-K. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you'll, you should see me on YouTube. You can see Dr. Scott Chelson on YouTube. I have a lot of cool videos there, pers personal professional development, um, things that I've done, some speaking engagements, even some videos from some legislators like Marco Rubio supporting some of our events. So you can see the extent to where they get. Uh, but definitely look me up. I want to connect with as many individuals. I right now have 10,000 connections on uh, LinkedIn alone. Um, my goal is to get to 100,000, uh, even a million. I mean, there's so many great individuals out there we need to connect with. We're not doing justice by sitting and being complacent as a profession. So please connect. Awesome. Well, I'm going to link all 15 of those <laughs> links in the show notes here. So uh, everyone can have zero excuse as to right. why they can't find you. So again, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank I really you. appreciate it. Thank you so it. much. I really do appreciate it. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. I really hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I hope it was as insightful to you as it was to me. Please leave me a comment on Instagram or on iTunes. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Any feedback is going to be greatly appreciated. And don't forget to subscribe. And until next time, see you over the counter. Pharmacy.